Verse number 18 and following, he, And I say unto thee, that's Jesus speaking, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And we've been preaching all of this week on the church. We dealt last night with the power of the church, the power that the church has in our life or should have in our life. Now, I want us to understand after preaching last night that it is a very serious thing for you to enter into membership with a God-established church. I want to reemphasize that. I didn't emphasize that last night, but I want to emphasize that tonight. It is a very serious thing for you to enter into a covenant relationship, and that's what membership is, a covenant relationship with a God-established church. Now, if God ain't established that church, if God ain't started it, if God didn't begin, if that church has not got the right beginning, it really don't matter what you do. I've said this many times, we have hired and fired preachers for so long that we think we can just hire and fire all of them. We vote them in and vote them out, vote them up, vote them down. But, Brother Mays, you might do that with a man who's just got a, a, a career, but if a man's been called, it's a different animal. You, you can't do what you want to with him. God will cut your water off, amen. You go to messing with his man. And that's just the way that it is. And so, the same thing is true of a church. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of buildings in the day and hour in which we live. But Brother Mays, we don't have a lot of churches. I mean, they're, they're not beating my door down tonight. Churches to have me come preach for them. I'm preaching a lot. But there's a day and hour when uh, a man that preaches the way that I do the place that I'm from, with the background that I've got, with the experience that I've got, and I'm not anything, but I'm just saying, Brother Mays, there was a day when that man could would have been booked up two or three years in advance. And you're doing good now if a man's preaching the truth to be booked up two or three weeks in advance. And that is the truth. You complaining about that, not a bit in the world, I'm not griping about it. I'm simply saying that we have buildings all over the place. But I'm afraid that we don't have a lot of churches. We don't, I'm talking about God-established works that are not just organizations, but the organisms. Can I say that again? They're not just organizations. Most churches are like the Moose Lodge. They're like the Elks Lodge. They're like the VFW. They're just a club, a get-together, a Sunday social. And that's all they are. But a church that God has established a church that God has started. Brother John, that church is a church where the power of God is manifest, where men of God will preach without fear and without favor to men as they are, the word of God as it is. But we are living in a day and hour in which men will not preach anything. They refuse to say anything about sin. They refuse to say anything about the condition of the world that we're in. They're afraid they're going to get sued. They're afraid the government's going to try to shut them up. The government has never shut the church up. Right. Say, Brother David, they'll shut you down. They've tried to shut me down before, but they ain't done a shed, amen. amen. Why is that, Brother David? Because I have a mandate from a higher power than my government. I'm going to be subject to the higher powers. They are ordained of God. I understand that. And what are you going to do, Brother David, if they take you to jail? I'll go to jail. That's being subject to the higher powers, but they ain't going to tell me what to preach. They ain't going to tell me when to preach. They ain't going to tell me how to preach. And they ain't going to tell me what I can say while I'm preaching or what I can't say. I'm going to say what the Bible says regardless of what anybody thinks about it. I made my mind. You say, Brother David, when did you make that decision? Years ago, I made that decision. And so the church in the day and hour in which we live has been belittled. It's been talked down. It's been put down. And because people have been members of organizations that are not organisms, Miss Rachel, they are just swapping from church to church. I mean, they'll start swapping churches like they change wives, Amen. 
I mean, they'll just in and out, up and down. They never know where they're going to be from one Sunday to the next. But I'm telling you, God wants you in a Bible-believing Baptist church, amen, that'll preach the truth to you and tell you where you're at when the Word of God crosses paths with you, amen. It'll shine light on you and you'll get right or be wrong. You know what they do in our day, though? Brother Mays, you cross them with the word of God, they'll go down the road where the fellow won't say nothing. Well, I'll go down there. They love people down there. But how much love would it be if I knew the bridge was out down here, been washed away, and there was a raging torrent running through these banks of this creek down here, and I, I, I didn't stop you because, well, you know, I don't want to say nothing to them. I might upset them. They might be in a hurry to go somewhere. They might not like it that I stopped them in the middle of the highway. And I just let you run off the bridge. Well, you'd think I was a, a, you'd think I was a cruel, inhumane person, and I would be. Well, why wouldn't I tell you the truth when it comes to the eternal things of God? Right. The bridge is out. Stop. Right. Well, that's what the church has power to do. Now, the church, in this text, Jesus said... Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Why was he? Why did he tell them that? Because his hour is not yet come. But when the church was sent out, when the church was established later on, this is what Jesus said: "You're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and preach the name of Jesus. Tell them who I am." So what I'm saying is, is that God, as I said on Sunday, has a purpose for the church. And he's given power to the church in the form of the Holy Spirit. But it's also given power in the form of its doctrines and in the form of how it is to conduct its business in the house of God. I've heard many people say, Brother John, that this building is not the house of God. But I beg to differ with you. This is not the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. But this is what the Apostle Paul said, Brother David. He said, These things have I written unto thee, son Timothy, that thou mayest know how to behave thyself when you come into the house of God. You say, well, they were meeting from house to house. Well, apparently not. Apparently they had a place to go that they had set aside and sanctified for the people of God. And so this is a sanctified place. Now this building is not anything if the church moves out of it. But as long as the church is meeting in it, it is a sanctified place set apart for the glory of God, for the people of God to meet in. Amen. And I know we, we have meals in here because it's small. You know, this is our fellowship hall and this is our auditorium. And sometimes you can't keep the smell of the fellowship hall out of the auditorium, amen, when you're fixing meals. I understand that. I understand we've got a kitchen in here, amen. I understand all that. But Brother John, I still say that this right here, because you want to keep this holy, this right here ought to be where the food stays. This ought to be where the drinks, they shouldn't have drinks and coffee and donuts and cookies and crackers, amen, on this side. Why is that, Brother David? There needs to be a separation. What we've got in our day Amen. I don't know how I got here, but here we are, amen. But what we're at, Brother John, in our day is this, is they'll have cake and donuts and coffee in between Sunday school and church service and people's running all over the auditorium with food in their hand and everything else. And the first time I saw it, I about had a heart attack. I said, my soul, do they not care anything about the house of God? Do they not reverence the house of God? I won't even walk in a building, a house, the house of God. Brother Mays with my hat on. I don't care if I'm working. I take my hat off. Why? Because it's a place that I reverence. Amen. And understand when you're small like this, things are kind of, you know, packed in and you got to just do what you want to do. But I'm telling you, when the new building's built, it's to be set aside, sanctified for God's service and ought to be treated as such. It ain't rope room. That thou mayest know how to behave thyself in the house of God. 
It's not a place where you bring kids and let them just run wild and crazy and tear the cushions off of the seats and chew the backs off of the songbook. Say, man, you got to keep them in line. This is the house of God. And it is a powerful place. It ought to be a place, Ethan, when people come in that they know there is a holy presence that is meeting here with these people. And sinners and saints alike ought to be brought under conviction. I wouldn't want a church where the, where the town drunk and the town harlot would come and sit down and be comfortable. I wouldn't want to show them anything but love by the time I got through preaching, they'd know that I loved them enough to tell him the truth. Amen. I'd want them to know that there's a cross that stands between them and hell. And if they don't bow to that cross, they'll die and go to a devil's hell. Amen. That is the power that is placed in this building. Amen. I'm telling you, Brother Mays, there was days gone by when you were a young man and when you and Sister Mays were young folk that people would walk on the church property and they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even uh, if they was drinking, they'd cross on the other side of the road. A drunk would. And wouldn't even walk on church property if he's drunk. Now they'll back into your church parking lot and throw, drink their beer and throw their beer bottles out in the parking lot. Amen. And they'll, they'll spray graffiti all over it. They ain't got no respect for the house of God. You say, well, why is that? Because we don't have any respect for it. See, the power that the church has in the community is directly related and relevant to how much reverence the people of that congregation show that place that they call the house of God. If there is a low view of this building among this congregation, there'll be a low view of this entire church ministry outside in the community. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. And so what are you saying, brother? You say we've got to be a solemn gust when we come in here? You know better than that. But it is to be a place that's reverenced. Amen. Amen. Man, Miss Kayla said a while ago, said Maddie was wanting a piece of gum. She wouldn't let her have a piece of gum in church. Probably so she don't do like some of the older kids and stick it under the <laughs> bench. Amen. Why do that? I don't understand. I never did understand. Why did you want to stick your gun? I didn't even want to stick it under my school desk. I'd be sitting there in my school desk and I'd be sitting there running my hand up and down, you know, thinking I'd run across somebody's piece of gum under my... I, was like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom and wash my hands. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but she didn't want Maddie. She didn't want Maddie. She said, Maddie's having a meltdown. I told all of them, I said, I'd melt her hind end down. When I got done, she'd think meltdown. <laughs> They're doing fine. I was just playing. I was just going on at them. But what are you saying? What I'm saying is they are trying their best to build a reverence for the house of God. Into those children. Josiah came up and rebuked my wife and daughter for allowing them children to write in, to write draw in church on church. He said, don't you know what the pastor said? We didn't know, amen. We were just trying to keep the kids occupied until, you know, they get old enough to listen, amen. I stay one deacon material right there, amen. I'd sign him up now. What are you saying, Brother David? I'm saying it is good that he, that Brother John is trying to build a reverence for this place. And you as families are trying to build a reverence for this place into your children. Because if your children do not reverence the house of God, they have no respect for the God of the house. Yes, sir. Now, I'm going to finish up tonight on the power of the church. And I've done dealt with part of that power, but we're going to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians tonight. And that's where our study's going to be. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. And I talked to you last night about the church having power over the standards in the church. Now, there are certain things that I said last night that the church has some leeway in. We talked about Sunday school teachers and we talked about deacons, not the standard of the deacon, but if you're going to have one, the standard's been laid out in the Word of God. But there ain't nothing in the Bible that says you've got to have a deacon. Right. Do you know that? Yes, sir. You ain't got to have a deacon. Now, is a deacon, can they be good? Yeah, they can be real good help. 
but they can be a disaster. I've seen some of that crowd, deacons, that wanted to load the pastor up and bring him in. Was the first one wanted to load him up and move him out. You've got to be careful. And so they didn't actually, they didn't have, they had almost 6,500 6, members. 3,000, 3,500, 6,500, 7,000 people in this assembly. And they finally decided they needed seven deacons. I know churches that have 14 people and have 17, seven deacons in the midst of them. They got seven men and seven women, all seven men's deacons. Amen. Because it's some kind of position in the church. And they're usually causing all kinds of trouble, but not always. Amen. I've seen some good deacons, amen, and, and bad pastors, but I've seen some good pastors and bad deacons as well. But there's power over the standards that are in the church. Now, Ian, I'm not going to review everything for your sake tonight, amen. You're just going to have to jump on board and haul with me as I go, amen. And you'll, you'll, get, the little, you'll get the gist of it as we go. Uh, but there are power over standards in the church. And the things that I want to notice, I want to notice the, we have power over the standard of sin. The church has power over the standard for rebuke and over the standard for companions. I dealt with that last night. I don't deal with that again. And then the standard for punishment. The standard in the church is found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 1. Now I want you to notice what was going on. Now this is a church. Now I'd have had a hard time calling Corinth a church, a God-established church, but it was. Paul established it through the leadership of the Holy Ghost. They were so goofed up. It's unbelievable. I wouldn't say that a church that had a woman preacher was a real church. But in the book of the Revelation, there's one. God said, you've allowed that woman Jezebel to teach and usurp authority in my church. I think to myself, Brother Mason, surely that couldn't be a church, but it could be and just got off. That's a possibility. There's people that I look at, I say, there's no way they can be saved. But they could be and just got off. Got cold on the Lord, got away from God, and God's dealing with them as rebellious children. I understand all that. I just have a hard time understanding it. Okay? But the standard that we see in the church, I want you to look what's going on in this church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 1. It is reported commonly. Now, the first phrase in that text lets us know that whatever goes on in this building, you ain't going to keep it secret. I promise you, if it's in the leadership of this church, if it's Brother David and Miss Rachel, they get in a fight because Miss Rachel burnt the biscuits last night and Brother David couldn't bite them in two, amen, because it's so hard, then somebody, they're going to fight getting a fuss, it'll be reported commonly throughout the community before it's over with. Well, as high as they are on that hill, everybody in the country could hear them, amen. Amen. What are you saying? I'm saying what he's trying to tell us is and show us in this scripture is that if it happens inside the church, we ought to be spreading it everywhere, but it's going to be reported commonly. He said it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. He said y'all are doing stuff that ain't even been heard of outside of the church. They don't even do this stuff as rank heathens. He said that one should have his father's wife. Now, that's bad, but it ain't as bad as it sounds. His father's wife, I believe, refers to, if he would have meant his mother, he would have said his mother. But he referred to this woman as his father's wife, which means to me that she was a woman that he had married other than this man's mother. Now, whether they'd been divorced or his mother had died or whatever it may be, he was in a, in a relationship, a fornication relationship with his father's wife. And verse number two tells us how far off they were. And you're puffed up. This is what they were saying. You have not mourned. This is what the apostle Paul said. He said, you've got somebody who is living with his stepmother as his wife. And you're proud of the fact that you love them so much that they can be a member of your church. 
That's what he's saying. He said, you're puffed up. You have not mourned. You're not upset about it. You're proud of it. That's like uh, down in Georgia, a little south of where I'm from originally. I was talking to a pastor down there and he had a, there was a sodomite in the church and he wanted to get married to another sodomite and when he wouldn't marry them, they got mad and went to another Baptist church up the road where they said they loved them. And they had a whole bunch of them sitting right up there on the front row that had been married in that church. They were puffed up and had not mourned about it. You know what? Listen to me and listen closely. And I, I, I'm gonna, I'll have to deal with this here in just a second. I'll get ahead of myself. That he had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Five verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. He keeps going back to the fact that they're proud that they have a sinner in their congregation and that they have enough tolerance. Not say anything about it. That ain't tolerance, friend. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Leaven in your Bible is always a representation of sin. Verse number 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet all together with fornicators of this world, or with covetous or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then you must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company of any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. That's what we talked about last night. So this is what he's establishing in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. First Corinthians chapter number 5 he's establishing first of all the standard of rebuke. He said for verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, this is how you're going to rebuke them. You're going to bring them before the congregation and rebuke them openly before all that others may fear. Now, that's what gets independent Baptists in trouble. Well, it's what gets this independent Baptist in trouble. That's what people don't like. As long as you're rebuking their children, whoever there is, you'll be fine. And when they're Jason and Kayla's little kids' age, they'll be real. With, they'll be with you. I mean, big time. You preach the hide off of them, preacher. You tell them the truth. But when they hit that twelve and thirteen year old, Miss Rachel. That's when you're going to find out if you really believe what you say you believe. You're right. Now you can know that in your heart, but everybody else ain't going to know it until they have to be rebuked before all that others may fear. You know why? That if a young person, if and I'm using Morgan again, amen, but if Miss Morgan is listening to the wrong kind of music, involved in a wrong kind of relationship, Brother Ben, right. the reason it is utterly, she is, you'd go to her, Go to her one-on-one. Go to her as a friend. Go to her as a sister. Go to her as a brother in Christ. Take the pastor with you. Take one or two witnesses with you. She won't hear you. Bring her before the church and you rebuke her before all that others may fear. You know what's supposed to be done? She's supposed to be stood up and said, you have been listening to the wrong kind of music. You know you have. We proved that. It's not an accusation. It's proved. We have proved that and you're going to repent of it. And if she won't repent, you know what you're supposed to do? 
Turn her out of the church. Turn her over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the power that the church has. The church has the power to turn a person over to Satan that they might be destroyed in this body. It is very dangerous when someone is disciplined from the role of a church. God takes it very serious. And let me remind you, we didn't ask you to join. You asked us to join. I'm saying us as this body of believers. We didn't come to you asking you if you wanted to join our church. You came to us asking if you could if you're a member. And you entered into a covenant relationship with this body of believers willingly. And let me say this, if you're not a member of a church and your membership is not uh, in a good church, you ought to get your membership in a good church. I don't know exactly who's members and who ain't, but if you ain't one, you ought to be one. This is a good one. Amen. Somebody said, well, I joined, but mom and daddy and grandpa's buried out in the, buried out in the cemetery. Well, dig them up and take them with you, amen. We'll rebury them somewhere. <laughs> if that's all that's holding you back, amen, we'll move the tombstone. They ain't going to know the difference, and neither will you. There's a standard for rebuke. Now I'll ask you a question tonight. Brother Mays, you've been around. How many churches you know are practicing that? Not many, are they? And you know you and people wonder why it's so dead. Do you know that in this text that the Apostle Paul said in verse number 13, 12, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So this is what the Apostle Paul is saying in that text. If you have someone who is a fornicator or an adulterer in this church, if you did have, and you will not deal with them as a congregation, God looks at this congregation as the whole congregation of being guilty of that sin. You judge them that are within, Paul said, and God will judge them that are without, so put that wicked person away from you so God can judge them. Why do you want God to judge them, Brother David? So that they can repent and be restored. Don't miss that. It's not because we're mean. We want them to repent and get right with God, Brother Ben, so that they can be restored to fellowship in this church because we love them. But we can't have fellowship with them according to Scripture if they're living in sin. That is the power that the church has in this day. Now Hillary don't think it's got that power. And Donald Trump probably don't think it's got that power. And most of your politicians don't think it's got that power. Having hacked the story, most of the preachers don't think it's got that power. But it does. Say, well, I don't believe that, Brother David. It don't matter what you, it ain't got nothing to do with what you believe. The Word of God said that's the power it's got. One fellow said, I don't believe in gravity. I can fly, I'm a bird. I said, well, just climb up on top of that building. And gravity don't care whether you believe or not. It still works. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You jump off that building, you'll find out you can't fly. Yes. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. Gravity don't care. Where, I don't believe. I don't believe in gravity. I believe I can fly. I don't believe in gravity. I believe I can fly. I don't believe in gravity. I believe I can fly. And it don't matter what you believe or don't believe. Gravity will still do what it's supposed to do. Right. And it don't matter, Brother Mays, what you believe about the church or don't believe about the church. It's still got that power on this earth. Amen. 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 Of course, now Joel Olstein don't believe that. Olstein, I said, not Olstein. I know his name's Olstein. I said Olstein because he's slick. Amen. I told somebody, I said, you better watch anybody that's got more teeth than a shark. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's a standard for rebuke. There's a standard for sin. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 6. Your glory is not good. 
Know ye not that a little leaven leaveth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye have unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now that does away with all your folk that you say, well, I know they're wrong, but they're sincere. You know what they are? Brother Hostetler, sincerely wrong. But they're wrong. You're to keep it in sincerity and truth. And because of that, if you don't, sin will creep in. Now, I've been, I've been in a lot of places. I preached in a lot of churches. I preached in a lot of different denominations of churches. What did you preach there? Same thing I preach here. What did they do? A whole lot worse than what y'all are doing, amen. <laughs> I did get out, amen, with my clothes still on my back, amen. They didn't stone me and strip my clothes off of me, but I did make it out with my clothes, amen, and my family. But it, got, it gets kind of rough. You say, well, I wouldn't go preaching in places where somebody's telling the truth. That's right. And I go in and tell them the truth. And I love doing it. I like watching their face. And I, I was preaching in a, can you believe this? I was preaching in a United Methodist Church. I was preaching revival. I used to build, I used to build dog boxes for a living. I, I, I couldn't, can't get the metal anymore, but I used to build dog boxes for coon hunters and beagle hunters. And I sold dog boxes all over the country. I had dealerships set up and all that kind of stuff. I had a good little business going until I couldn't get the metal no more and the bottom fell out of it. But Brother Ben... I had on that, I called it the preacher's box and I had my own, I had my own uh, emblems and everything that I put on there and my phone number, make sure people get in touch with me, the order boxes. And a fellow out of Monticello, Indiana called me. He said, I want to order one of your, he said, I seen one of your dog boxes and I really liked it and I'd like to order one. I said, well, okay. He says, as a matter of fact, could you set me up as a dealer? I'd take 10. I said, well, praise God. <laughs> Let's just get you signed right up, amen. <laughs> and uh, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, uh, are you really a preacher? I said, yeah, I really am. He said, he said, well, listen. He said, I'm a member up here at this United Methodist Church. And he said, we ain't had revival in this church in 35 years. He said, I don't know nothing about revival. He said, but they put me in charge of the revival committee and told me to find a preacher. He said, and I don't know none except you. And I don't know you. Would you come preach a revival for us? <laughs> I said, well, it usually don't work like that. You know, your pastor normally calls me and asks me to come. He said, well, they don't do it that way in the Methodist church. They just told me to get somebody. They didn't care who it was. I said, well, I, you, you know, I know some United Methodists. I said, you probably need to get online and listen to a couple of messages of me preaching before I come, amen. So he, he downloaded some messages and got them to the members and, and they loved it. And they, he come back, he said, they loved it. They want you to come. They're looking forward to it. I said, well, have your pastor call me. Well, their pastor called me and he sounded like some little sissy effeminate something. I mean, it was horrible. And uh, so anyway, I go up there to the meeting. I preach. I think we had six or seven people saved in a three-day meeting. Every one of them had to leave the church eventually. But I preached up there what I preach everywhere. Amen. But we had a 90-year-old woman, Miss Ruth, a 90-year-old woman that was in that church had been saved for years and years. And she, she didn't believe in eternal security. She thought she could lose it. She was 90-something years old. I said, Miss Ruth, have you ever lost it? She said, well, no. I said, well, call me when you do, amen. <laughs> she ain't never called, amen. She, but this is what she told me. She said, Brother Well, she said, she said, I love your preaching. She said, you know, that's the way everybody used to preach when I was a little girl. Boy, we've come a long way, haven't we? But the church has a power to set the standard of what is sin. That's always been in purview of the church. When the state starts establishing and saying what we can say and can't say is sin, then the, church, then the state has just established a state religion. Now that's common sense thinking. I understand and that may be a little too high for some folk. Hey Amen. If you've been educated very much, that's probably beyond your ability to understand. But Miss Lucy, I'm going to tell you something. That is common sense. Because right. they can tell me to say what I can say is sin and what is not sin, then they can come back and tell me what I can say about that sin. That's right. So the... 
federal government, state governments are trying to tell us now that we can't say that sodomy is sin. And the Bible says it's an abomination. Trying to tell us that we can't say fornication is sin. And then they'll start trying to tell us that we can't say pedophiles are sin. And people say, well, Brother David, that'll never happen. But this is what I told them years ago. I've been preaching for a long time. This is what I told them years ago. I said the same argument that the sodomites are using to say that they were born that way and they can't help it is the same argument that the pedophile is going to use eventually. And just last year in London, England, London Times, front page article, big front page deal, they came out with all kinds of scientists and doctors that said that pedophiles are born that way and they can't help it and that there are children born that way and can't help it. The state can't establish what's sin. Right. God's always established that through the church. Amen. 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 How come? Because the church has got a Bible. Because the church has a Bible, then it can establish what is sin and what is not sin. There's a standard for your companions. I dealt with that last night. I'm not going to deal with that tonight. Could I get a good hearty Amen. There's a standard for punishment, and then I'll be done. Chapter number 5, verse number 13, he said, But them that are without God judges, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. He said, This is the way you deal with sin. You go back to the New Testament and see what Jesus said about it. If you have, all, if you have uh, uh, there's something wrong between you and your brother, go to him and him alone. If you can reconcile with that brother, you've won that brother. If he will not hear you, get someone from the church, take them with you and go see him again. And you've won your brother. If he won't hear you, bring him to the congregation. If he won't hear the congregation, turn him out and treat him as a publican and a sinner and a heathen. Why? He described, Jesus told us what to do and Paul tells us what happens when we do it. Paul's establishing church doctrine. Jesus told us what to do Paul's telling us through church doctrine, the epistle to the Corinthian church, what it does when we do that. When you turn that person out, it turns them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that their spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is for the purpose of restoration. I cannot emphasize that enough. It's not to be mean. It's not to show everybody how tough we are. It ain't to show everybody how mean we are or how strict we are or how separated we are. It's to be able to restore that individual back to a right relationship with the house of God. And Paul does not give us any other measure of punishment that we can use. I'm not at loss for something to say. I want you to think about what I just said. Paul does not give us any other measure of punishment that we can use. in regards to sin that they will not repent of. They are to be turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now the final thing that I want to say about this and I'll be done. The power of the church is there. And it's like the law of gravity that I talked about while I go. There ain't nothing you can do about it. That power is there. How that power works in your life is entirely dependent on how you submit to the authority of the church. I don't think the church ought to be able to tell me anything. They need to tell me how to get saved and then leave me alone. Now, people, they come to our church, my home church, and they say, well, your standards are too high. Well, I say everybody's got a standard. That's right. I, I don't. I don't care. I don't. Ian, I don't know what church you're from. Nothing. I don't know nothing about you. But and I don't know what your standard for your your choir may be. I don't know what your standard for your church may be. Nothing. But you've got a standard somewhere. Amen. I mean, your you church. I'm sure. I hope not. I hope this ain't true. If it is, you need to change churches. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. But I hope that your church, it would not be a church that would allow, you know, women to get up in a two-piece bathing suit and choir. Right. 
I mean, that, we would, that'd, that'd be offensive. Be real offensive for some people, amen. Ain't that right? <laughs> the ladies are all laughing, amen. <laughs> They're like, yes, that'd be very offensive. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not going to let you get up in your Daisy Dukes and high heels, amen. Well, that's a standard. So don't get mad at a church that holds a standard closer to godliness than what you may. Matter of fact, you might ought to look at it again. You might say, hey, you know what? That's right. We ought to, we ought to tighten up. Amen. So there is a standard that is set. Every congregation has a standard that it lives by. Now, I see some of these churches, Brother Mays, they, apparently they don't have a standard. They got on their sign, come as you are. And leave as you came is what they ought to have on the bottom of it, amen. Because they ain't changing nothing on nobody. But do you know why this society, Brother John, has no moral compass? Because the moral compass of every society has always been the church. And you just look around you at religion as a whole. And look what is allowed to go on in the house of God. And it is amazing. Sad, ain't it? The church has all kinds of power. But if you're not submitted to the membership and the leadership of a local body of believers, then that power will do you no good. Brother Mays, if you are not if you're not, if you if you don't have a membership somewhere and you get out of sorts, who's gonna be there to help bring you back in line? You won't have anybody. <laughs> Some people are members and still don't have nobody. That ain't true for this place. And I know this is a small work. I know you're just getting started. I understand all of that. But God's doing a work right now. And they, people say, well, I don't think you ought to, they ought to tell us what to do. But do you know, I mean, I've preached in jails, juvenile detention centers for years and years. Do you know what the standards for going in the Russell County Jail are? And they're right out there out front. You can't even come in the front door if you don't abide by the standard. Number one, women have got to wear modest clothing. It can't be anything that's form-fitting. If it's a dress, it's got to be way below the knee. Do you know you can't even, they can't even wear open-toed shoes in a jail service. No jewelry. And I ain't against jewelry. Lied on the makeup. People say, you're against makeup? I said, I'm not against makeup. I'm against cake up, (laughs) but I'm not against makeup. So a little makeup never hurt anything. I understand that. An old barn needs a fresh coat of paint every once in a while anyway. Amen. So what I'm trying to tell you is I ain't against makeup. But I'm against painting up so that everybody's attention's drawn to you. And that's what the jail said. No low cut blouses and no big splits. (laughs) That's a jail. That's a jail, Brother Mays. And then we, we, we set some standard that's close to that in the house of God and people have a heart attack. And this ought to be the godliest, most holy place that we ever come in the world where we come apart from the world and be set apart to be encouraged and uplifted without the world and its influence in our life. Do you know the jail even has a standard for your hair? Your hair has to be done in a modest manner. It can't be overdone or they won't let you come in. A jail. (laughs) It's bad, Ian, when the jail's got higher standards than what the church does. But because we have dropped the standard in the church, the society has thrown its standard away. Can I say that again? 
because we have dropped the standard in the church, society has thrown its standard away. Who would have ever thought, Brother Mays, that we would have government officials saying that it's all right for boys and girls to use the same bathroom? You know what we told them? Said if you do that, you're going to have perverts that come in that say, "Hey, I feel like a woman today. I'm going in. I'm going in ladies' bathroom." And they go in there and they make a fool out of them women that are in there by looking at them. They didn't pass that, have that law passed two weeks. That executive order wasn't enforced two weeks, and they'd already arrested people that were doing it, trying to take pictures and video. And I'm saying, I said it before, before it became an executive order and passed into law, and I'm saying it now that it is a law. I don't shop at Target, and I ain't shopped at Target in a long time because they kicked the Salvation Army out years ago. Because the Salvation Army wouldn't let the Sodomites ring the bell. And when they done that, I upped my giving to the Salvation Army when the Salvation Army stood strong on that. Amen. But I ain't shopped at Target in a long time. But if I had been shopping at Target, I'd have quit shopping at Target when they said, we'll let you use whatever bathroom you want to. Because if I'd have been in Target and my wife or my daughter had went in there and there's a man had went in behind them to go in that restroom, there'd have been two men went in. And I'd have brought that one out by his heels. You say, well, you're a preacher. You're not supposed to be a striker. Brother Jim Mathias said, I ain't a striker. Strikers miss. I'm going to connect. Amen. That's good. Somebody looked at me and said, well, I don't know if you're that tough or not. I said, well, why don't you try me and see? You say, well, I didn't think you're supposed to be like that. Hey, I some of the greatest men of God that I know of had to throw people out of their meetings. <laughs> what are you saying, Brother David? I'm saying the power of the church ought to be on display. It's time we quit being a bunch of lily-livered, sissy Christians. And I'm not talking about being belligerent. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being hateful, but I'm talking about being a Christian. I mean, everybody won't say, well, I want to be just like Jesus. Shepherd, you know the Psalms 23, Jesus. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I, I want that. That's the Jesus that I want to talk about. But they want to talk about that Jesus that went to the temple, made a whip, and kicked over tables and run that crowd out. That's the same Jesus. He looked at him and said, you are a hard man. Those are hard sayings and you're a hard man, Jesus. We can't abide by what you say. Your preaching is way too hard for us. Yes, sir. I, mean, I mean, what? The, I reckon what they do, Brother John, if you come in here and I mean, used to, you know, years ago, you'd have, when I was a kid growing up, they had singing groups went around everywhere. And they'd want to set up their tape tables and sell their tapes and their LP albums, amen. That's how long I've been, that's, that's a long time ago. And uh, and so uh, they'd want to they'd want to sell and then but some preachers they'd let them sell them but she said you're gonna have to set them up outside you can't set them out in the church I wouldn't let them set them up outside either. Amen. 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 But I wonder what they'd done if one of them old preachers had come in and started kicking over tables and got a bullwhip out and run that crowd out. They'd have said, man, that's the meanest man in the community, and they'd just been just like Jesus. Right. See, the church has power but it don't have no power on your life if you've not submitted yourself to the authority of it. It don't have no power to help rectify the problems that you're in. <laughs> and you need a church. I don't care if you're as old as Brother Mays and Brother Hotstetler or as young as Josiah and Allie. You need a church that you are accountable to. That you're responsible to. Well, I just can't agree with everything that goes on. Well, if God's if God is meeting with them and God's directing them and everything else, then you just you go along, do whatever you got to do, live by the word of God and submit yourself to the authority of that church and that pastor, and God will work all that out. Amen. Can I tell you something? I love my pastor, but I ain't agreed with my pastor on everything. In 22 years, I'm going to tell you something. If nobody ever has a disagreement, somebody's always giving in. 
Brother John, I ain't agreed with my pastor on everything. But you don't know what that is. And he don't either if he never asked me. But I still submitted to him out of love and respect for him because I knew what his heart was for me. He wants to lead me right. And if we have a disagreement, I just pray, Lord, if he's wrong, show him. If I'm wrong, show me. And we've both been man enough and Christian enough if we were wrong to admit that and say, hey, I was wrong in this area. I was wrong in this area. Forgive me. Let's go on. Amen. Boy, ain't that an easy way of working Amen. things out? Boy, it's a whole lot better than throwing a fit, getting mad, throwing things through the wall. Ripping your name tag off of the pew, amen, that you donated. <laughs> Y'all laughing, you know why? Because you know it's the truth. That's why you laughing. They got them name tags on the piano, on the pew, on the offering plates, on the communion table, on every little piece of furniture, donated in memory of everything but Jesus. Donated in memory of 400 years ago. We don't know who they are. We don't have no idea how they live, but we donated a pew in every memory, amen. It don't belong to you. It belongs to the church. That's another That's part of the message, amen, but that's a year's worth of teaching in four nights, amen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention, and it's been a joy to be with you. Now, take what I say. What I said tonight, don't need a whole lot of, you don't have to do a whole lot of praying about it. It's the Word of God. It's just living with it, Brother David. Just living by it. Start living by it. And the way you do that, Brother Jason, is just go home and say, hey, the, hey we've, been, we've, been, we've been kind of off here. We're going to fix this. We're just going to get that. No big deal. Shut down and say, now, now Kayla, I, I'm just going to tell you, we've been a little bit off in this, and we're going to line things out, and we're going to get this lined out, and we're going to start living it like this because that's what the Bible said, and that's what we're going to do, and that's the way the church is going. We're going with them. No big deal. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love His people.